amid the storms of a dark and fallen world, knowing that Jesus has promised he will be there to comfort us is something we can hold on to. Hi, my name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. If you're our guest, we've been using the Advent candle this this Christmas to help us uh, hang our thoughts on each Sunday. And uh, so I'm just going to uh, take us through the Advent candle so far. The first candle we we lit was called the uh, Prophet's Candle. It's also called the Candle of Hope because it pointed us to the coming of Jesus. The second candle, the Advent uh, candle or Advent wreath, was um, the Bethlehem candle, and it uh, it was the candle of peace. And we talked about how Jesus brought us peace, peace with God, peace with each other. The third candle, which I, I lit wrong last week, was the the uh, shepherd's candle, and it's the candle of joy. It's actually supposed to be this pink candle right here. I, I lit the purple one last week. By the way, there's no. There's no real given way to do this. I mean, you go on the internet, and I mean, it's all over the board as to how people do it. This is how we're doing it. This is a joy candle. And uh, we talked about joy last week, and um, we said, uh, and this was the uh, shepherd's candle. And I said, they probably call it joy because the angels came and said to the shepherds, we've got great, joyful news for you guys. And, And I told you about how joy differs from happiness because happiness brings, uh, or happiness is a result of circumstances. Joy has happiness. Joy is happiness, I think, at some level. But it's a happiness that God gives us that's not dependent on uh, on our circumstances, but rather dependent on our choosing to walk in that happiness that God has given us. And I'm using that word on purpose, or that gladness, if you would. And honestly, this this week, with the way it turned out for me, I was constantly saying, Choose joy, choose joy. I was corresponding with a friend, and I said, man, I thought the week before was my test, but really this past week was, this. it was my test. And somebody asked me, are you a slow learner? And I guess, <laughs> I, guess I was. But uh, anyway, joy is a choice that we can make. I really believe that. It's a, it's a choice we can make no matter what our circumstances are. And then, uh, and then the fourth candle, which is the candle for today, and we'll have one for tonight as well. But the fourth candle today is called the angel's candle. And I guess it just points to the fact that so many angels were involved in, uh, in the birth of Jesus. The announcement of Gabriel to, to Joseph and to Mary, to Zacharias, you know, uh, that John would be born. And then, of course, the angels and the part they played on the night that Jesus was born with the shepherds. But it's also known as the love candle. And uh, Jamie's going to come this morning and going to share with us... Uh, just the greatest demonstration of God's love for us. So, Jamie. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, My name is Jamie, as Jimmy said, and I'm one of the elders here, and I have the privilege of sharing this morning, and I'm excited about it. A little nervous, but excited about it. So, you know, as, as I was sitting out there and through David's welcome and through the songs and Jimmy's verses, and, and I was kind of thinking about, so how many of you have played t-ball or you've had kids that have played t-ball? You know, you've got the tee, and the coach sets the ball on the tee to make it easier for the kid to hit the ball. 
I kind of felt like that this morning. I mean, the truths and the songs and all of those things, I felt like God was putting the ball on the tee to make it easier for me this morning. So that being said, let me kind of, kind of say, so <clears throat> those of us who have put our faith in Christ, a lot of what I'm going to say today, and this could be true for most messages, a lot of what I'm going to say today is truths that we already hold to. But I'm praying that God might use something this morning to reaffirm those truths, maybe encourage you through them. If you're here and you have not put your faith in Christ, I pray that God might use something this morning to draw you to Him and to show you your need for Him, to have Him in your life. So that being said, let's get started. So, what's in a name? Everyone in this room this morning has a name. It's either a family name or maybe some name your parents liked. Whatever the case, we all have a name. It's what people call you. Sometimes it's shortened, like Ed for Edward, or Zach for Zachary, or Dick for Richard. I haven't figured that one out yet, but somehow, somehow we get that. <clears throat> so, so if you use the shortened name, though, I imagine when you were younger, or if you are still young, that at some point you got in trouble and your mom would use your full name. James Derwood Cowan Jr., get in here right now. All right. Nobody, that's never happened there any of y'all? Okay, maybe it's just me. All right. Most names have some kind of meaning. Like Andrew means strong, or Peter means rock. How many of you know what the meaning of your name is? Some do, some don't. That's okay, because the question is this morning, does our name define us? In other words, does your name actually represent who you are? Obviously, not always. Who we are in character and personality, etc., is not determined by the name we're given. We could have a name like Alex, which means kind-hearted, but I really doubt that all Alexes out there are kind-hearted. So, in Shakespeare's play, Juliet tells Romeo, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. In other words, you can call whatever you want, it's still going to smell like a rose. You call it a thorn, it's still going to smell sweet. So our names are irrelevant in relation to who we actually are. They may or may not reflect who we are. Our names may not represent who we are, but what about Jesus? So there are roughly 200 names for Jesus in the Bible throughout all Scripture. At least that's what Google says. And we all know that if it's on the Internet, it must be true. So here's a few. Isaiah 9 gives us some of the names that we think of at Christmas. We all know what these are. Uh, they're, they're names that are given to this child that's coming. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In John 1, John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. In John 8, Jesus calls himself the Light of the World. So unlike us, in the case of Jesus, every name is not just a given name, but it is an actual representation of who he is. These names represent his character, his worth, his purpose, 
and so much more. So, for us, it's nice to put a meaning on a name, but it's not necessarily who we are. But for Jesus, the names in Scripture are actually who He is. All that being said this morning, I want us to look at one name in particular, and we've heard it multiple times this morning. That name is Emmanuel. So let's watch this video real quick. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Nothing was made without Him. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The whole world is made through him, except the world doesn't recognize him. But there are others who do believe in him. They run to him from the fields and journey from far away, carrying only hope and curiosity. They didn't know where the road would lead or what others would think of them. But they believe in his name. And to these, he gives the right to become children of God. The word became human and he made his home among us so we could see his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. God made known to us not on a throne of power, but in a cradle of peace. Emmanuel, God with us. So Emmanuel is a name that we hear a lot at Christmas. So where does the name come from and what does it mean? Most of us know Scripture tells us that Emmanuel literally means God with us. But what does God with us really mean? And more importantly, what does it mean for us today? All right, first, where do we get the name Emmanuel in Scripture? In the Old Testament, we see Isaiah's prophecy of the coming Lord Jesus. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says... Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We're going we're gonna to look at a lot of scripture today. I'm, there's going to be a whole lot of them spaced out throughout here, but they'll all, it'll all work together. As we know, and this is one of several prophecies that Isaiah gives us about the coming Lord Jesus. A clear message that this child of prophecy would be God with us. In the New Testament, Matthew tells us that Jesus will be the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah that we just read. Matthew says in verse, or chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Basically the same quote as from Isaiah. So we know that G Jesus was given the name Emmanuel. So now 
Let's look at Emmanuel. Let's look at this name and break it down. So we know it means, literally, God with us. Let's split that up. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God. So the first thing we can take from these passages is that this child born to Mary and Joseph is called Emmanuel. And we know that that means God with us. But how do we know that Emmanuel is not just a name like the names I was talking about earlier? How do we know it's not just a name with just a meaning? How do we know that Jesus actually is God with us? If you're familiar at all with the Bible, you know that from beginning to end, Old Testament through the New Testament, one of the main points of Scripture is that Jesus is God. From the events and prophecies of the Old Testament to the life of Jesus and the testimonies of his followers in the New Testament, over and over, Scripture tells us that Jesus is the incarnation of the living God. It tells us his purpose for coming. It tells us how we can have a relationship with him and so much more. So I don't have time to go through the whole story from Old Testament through New, expand on the whole story. But this morning, I just want to focus on Scripture confirms for us that Jesus is God. Actually, we've seen it and heard it multiple times this morning in, in the video, in the Scriptures, and in the songs. The first Scripture is John 1, 1 through 4, which was just in that video. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus being the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, nothing was created that has been created. So not only do these verses say that Jesus is God, it speaks to Jesus being in the beginning and creating all things. Has anyone other than God been from since the beginning? Has anyone other than God created all things? Obviously not. Jesus is God. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel tells Mary, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Colossians, this is a good one. They're all good, but... <clears throat> For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This scripture is a great confirmation of Jesus being fully man and fully God. This fullness of God dwells in this man, Jesus. Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is, in your, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I could go on and on, scripture after scripture. These scriptures make it clear that Emmanuel, God with us, the God part of that name is Jesus. It's who he is. Jesus is God. He was then and he is now. So in looking at the verses we just looked at, one question might come to mind. So, especially, so the, the John 1 at the beginning, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was God, and the Word was with God. So some of you might be asking, so how can Jesus be with God and be God? 
Well, that would be a good question. We as believers, and this has been in the, in the stuff we saw this morning too. That's why I said it's so cool how God works things, puts things together. We as believers hold to the fact that God is three persons. A term we use is called Trinity. So God the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but one God. We're not going to go into detail about the Trinity, but the Bible tells us that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. We'll see more about this as we go. I'll talk more about this Trinity as we go. But just suffice it to say, Scripture teaches teaches God is three persons. If you have other questions about the Trinity, see Jimmy after the service. (laughs) All right. All right. I could go on like I said, but I think we've established that Scripture's clear that Jesus is God. So the God part of Emmanuel is true. Jesus is God. Now let's look at the with us part. So I want to break the with us part of Emmanuel so we've got God with us. We've established God. I want to look at the with us part. I want to split that into two parts. There's the Jesus is with us then and Jesus is with us now. So let's look at the then. The first part of this is the physical Jesus who walked on this earth for 33 years. The four Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, which, which literally means good news. But in the Gospels is written, it tells us all about Jesus' life on, here on earth. Each, of, each is from a different perspective, but all showing us the story after story of Jesus, the Son of God. So if you, if you want to know more about Jesus' life, read the Gospels. It tells you all there is, all he did, the things, the miracles... Uh, the things he taught, etc., all that in the Gospels. I encourage you to read the Gospels if you want to know about the 33 years that Jesus was on this earth. So back to John 1. So the first part of the first few verses talked about Jesus being God. If you get down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, God in the flesh, in verse 14, it says that God, this Jesus who is God, took on flesh, took on humanity, fully God and fully man walking on this earth. The King of kings and Lord of lords, God himself came to be with us on that first Christmas night. That first Christmas, angels announced to shepherds, that there was a Savior born in Bethlehem who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds said, let's go and see him. Short time later, wise men from the east followed a star and came to bring him gifts and to worship him. So why would a baby in a manger be worshipped? Because he was God. So this baby, this incarnation of God was, was there in the... The wise men, the shepherds came to worship him. That's why we celebrate Christmas. God came to be with us. So other than his birth, Scripture tells us little about his, his uh, early years. We do have the story about when he was 12 and got separated from his parents. Um, you can read that in the Gospels. So go and read that. But <clears throat> I want to go to when the time was right, 
Jesus called 12 men and spent three years loving them, teaching them, performing miracles, and showing them God the Father. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. At the end of his 33 years, we know that Jesus was crucified. Emmanuel came to be God with us, but ultimately, he came to die in our place, to take the punishment for our sin, the punishment that we deserved, death. The wages of sin is death, but God gives us the gift of eternal life in Jesus. Because he conquered death by being raised on the third day, we too can have life in him. So this baby we celebrate at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, came to be our substitute and to give life to those who put their faith in him. We can't celebrate Christmas. I think, I think David said this this morning. We can't celebrate Christmas without remembering the cross and the resurrection. It's all part of the story. So 40 days after his resurrection, Acts 1 tells us, Jesus ascended to, the, to heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father. So the per- first part of the with us, Jesus, God with us, is in the flesh for 33 years. So now let's look at the God with us today. So how is God with us today? If you remember at the beginning, I said, what does Emmanuel, God with us, really mean? And what does it mean for us today? How is Jesus with us today? We just said he ascended to the Father. How is Jesus with us today? Matthew 28. This is kind of cool, too. This was one of our verses in Sunday school this morning. So, kind of cool. God never ceases to amaze. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So not long after this, he would ascend to the Father, and they would see him no more. So if Jesus ascended to the Father, how could he tell them that he would be with them always? And how is he with us today? Let's go back to his time here on earth for a minute, and let's look at some of the teachings that he taught his disciples. One of the things he promised them was a helper after he was gone. So these are some, some, some more great verses. As I, was, as I was putting this together and, and, and putting these verses in here, I, I'm, they, they just really spoke to me. And it just kind of, I mean, it, it reaffirmed and reassured me of these truths that we know. So I hope it does the same for you. If you love me, keep my commands. This is John 14, 15 through 21. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. These are important things to remember. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is Jesus talking. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And there's so much packed in these verses. And I, can, I could preach a whole sermon on just these verses, but not this morning. Maybe another time. <clears throat> so one of the things that we can glean from these is that Jesus says that he and the Father and the Spirit are one. So it's back to that Trinity thing. These verses tell us that. He tells them that the Holy Spirit will come to live in them. Because the Father and the Spirit, Father and Son and Spirit are one, that means that Jesus will live in them. And notice what he says in verse 16. And be with you forever. Sound familiar? So if we go back to the Matthew 28, so when Jesus is telling his disciples to go and make, dis- go and make disciples and during the Great Commission, and he says that I will be with you always, he's already told them how he's going to be with them always. He's told them that the Holy Spirit would come to live in them, and because they are three in one, he would be living in them. This is important too. Notice this was in these verses. The Holy Spirit is not for everyone, but only those who know him. So if you noticed, it said that the world does not know him, but you know him. Jesus talking to his disciples. So those who have put their faith in Jesus know the Holy Spirit. We could preach a whole sermon, like I said, on these, but let, that's another day. Jesus had spoken to his disciples several times about the coming Holy Spirit. He was preparing them for the day when he would not be with them physically any longer. He was reassuring them that he would not leave them alone, but that he would be through with them through the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, Jesus tells his disciples to... Wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled all those who had trusted in Jesus. Here it is in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So just as Jesus had promised, the Father sent the Holy Spirit and they were filled that day. This is how God is with us today. That part of the Emmanuel God with us is true today because of the Holy Spirit. Just as the followers of Jesus were filled that day, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes to live in us. So, 
let's bring this full circle back to the Advent candle. So we've shown that Jesus is God and he's with us. So he is Emmanuel, God with us. But why would God want to be with us? Why would the God of the universe leave heaven to come here and to live and to ultimately die for us? Well, as you might can guess, because he loves us. God loves us so much he was willing to send his son to pay a debt we couldn't pay and that he didn't owe. So this is one of the first verses that I ever learned as a kid and I would probably most. John 3.16, we can all quote it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us. So as we celebrate this Christmas season, remember that the baby Jesus born in a manger is Emmanuel, God with us. God who loves us is with us yesterday, today, and forever. So, how many of you have seen those irritating commercials, to be honest with you? Those ones <clears throat> like the, uh, the Flex Seal, that loud guy that's talking and he's giving you the spiel for their product, everything, and he, you think he's done and he says, but wait! There's more. <laughs> Those are irritating commercials, but <clears throat> this is not. But wait, there's more. So, obviously, just having the God of the universe live in us would be enough to give us strength and to encourage us each day, and it does. But God gives us so much more as he walks and talks with us every day. So I want to look at two things this morning that we can hold to as we think about God with us. Like I said, there's so many more, but let's just focus on two this morning. Because of sin in the world, there are many things that cause us trouble, pain, heartache, and fear. Many of you are going through some of those things. We all go through them at some time or another. Things like sickness, disease, death loss of a job, relationship problems, and others. Amid the storms of a dark and fallen world, knowing that Jesus has promised he will be there to comfort us is something we can hold on to. God gives us his comfort in our time of pain. Jimmy spoke last week of Jesus being filled with joy, and he was. But even in his joy, he experienced pain, grief, stress. Scripture tells us he was a man of sorrows. We all know of the story when, when Jesus was in the garden, how he cried out to the Father, Let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Scripture tells us that in that stress, in that grief, Jesus sweated drops of blood. That's how great the stress and the grief was on our Savior. Jesus, or scripture also tells us that Jesus' best friends abandoned him. I can't imagine the, the, the hurt 
when Peter denied him three times, even though he had predicted it, the hurt that one of his best friends had denied him three times, and all of his disciples scattered, as you remember the story. So he felt that pain, that hurt. We know the story of Lazarus when he went to, to, to the tomb where Lazarus was, and all the people there were mourning. And Scripture says, I know Jimmy said it wasn't the shortest verse in, in the Bible, but it's the shortest English verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still felt the sadness. So we see that Jesus felt these emotions. The God who lives in us has experienced all of the emotions we experience, and he will be there to comfort us and strengthen us in our pain. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus knew his disciples would face difficult times after he left. So he gave them this promise to comfort them. These words should comfort us too. When we're anxious, worried, or afraid, Jesus has promised us his peace. Jimmy spoke to us a couple weeks ago about that peace and what it looks like. Jesus overcame, the Jesus who overcame the world lives in us and will give us his peace when we are troubled. Because we live in a fallen world and even because of our own sin at times, there will be pain and grief. Jesus never said he would take it away, but he did promise to be with us as we go through it. So, Jesus' comfort in our pain. Another reason it's important to have Jesus with us is his strength in our weakness. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we're tempted, when we're struggling with a particular sin, our great high priest, Jesus, who lives in us, has been tempted in every way and yet did not sin. This Jesus will give us the strength and the grace we need to help us in our time of struggle. We still have to choose not to sin, but we can have confidence that Jesus will give us the strength to conquer our sin. When you're tempted and you're struggling, Call out to Him. Pray for strength. He is with us and He gives us all we need to overcome our sin. The Holy Spirit is so vital to our walk with God. The Holy Spirit, in, in addition to these two things, He also convicts, of, convicts us of our sin. He guides us, gives us spiritual gifts, gives us the desire to obey God. He enables us to pray. And he enables us to understand God's word. 
I can't imagine life without him. The good thing is I don't have to imagine a life without him. Because when we put our faith in Jesus, Paul reminds us he will never leave nor forsake us. Hebrews 13. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Jesus will be there no matter what we encounter. And if he is with us, who or what can stand against us? When Jesus saves us, he doesn't just leave us to walk out our salvation on our own. He walks it with us. If you're here today and you have not put your faith in Jesus, if you do not have him walking with you every day, I encourage you to consider, first, his promise of eternal life, but even more, his promise to be with you in this life. God loves us so much, He sent Jesus to die in our place, and He sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. If you don't know Him, I'd love to talk to you more about this God who loves you and wants to be with you. Just ask me. I saw this while I was preparing, and I thought it was a great reminder. At Bethlehem, He became God with us, at Calvary, he became God for us. And at Pentecost, he became God in us. Jesus truly is Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check us out on YouTube and Facebook to get to know us and see what God is doing here in Surrey. Be blessed.